0: You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus.
1: Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and this wonderful opportunity we have as your people to come together, and that we're here today, and you are before us, and indeed, Lord God, you are with us, and we thank you that your word uh, is powerful, Uh, that from generation to generation you have uh, breathed new life, you have sought people out, and you are seeking us right now. Uh, Lord, we uh, long for you. And we ask that you would move uh, powerfully, uh, personally, and prophetically here and now. Be at work, we pray, for our good, for your glory. And it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray and all of God's people said with one super loud voice, amen, amen. amen. City on a hill, how are we doing this morning? Good, summer's here. Hey, is Emily Lancaster in the building at the moment? Emily Lancaster's birthday today! <clears throat> Emily has been on our staff team for like nearly 10 years, maybe 10 years. Heads up, uh, our greenhouse program does an amazing job. Thankful for you, Emily, and happy birthday to you. Anyone else celebrating their birthday today? Anyone? No one else. All right. Maybe next week. I I want to uh, add uh, my encouragement to you to get along to our Christmas service. Thank you, Charlotte. Great to have you leading up the front. Uh, Christmas, such a special time of year, such a significant time uh, for us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Uh, So just encourage you, uh, for those who are interstate, you can join us online. But for everyone here in Melbourne... Wonderful time to come. Come early, bring your Christmas cheer uh, and help us uh, celebrate uh, the good news of uh, Jesus. And also, as Charlotte mentioned, let me just encourage you to extend an invitation uh, to a friend uh, or a family member. Uh, I've come across some studies uh, in recent years that show that one in two people would be open to coming to church if they were invited. One in two people would come along to church if they were invited. And I suspect that that is heightened at the time of Christmas. Uh, because we still live in this culture where people are searching for significance. We're living in this day where people are hungry for hope. We live in this day where people are eager to find good news. And here at City on a Hill, we believe that Jesus isn't just true news. He's good news of great joy for all who believe. So join me in extending that invitation to friends and family. Uh, It's going to be a great Sunday together, Christmas Eve this year. Sound good? All right, well, why don't you go and grab your Bible and uh, come with me to our reading today. Uh, As Brenton mentioned, we are in this seven-part series in the weeks leading up to Christmas looking at the seven signs of Jesus, the seven miracles that are pointing us to see uh, truth, to see glory, to see something bigger. Uh, We're going to pick up the reading today in chapter 6 verse 16. John, who's penning these down for us, says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and they started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Uh, So who was with us last week? Right? Last week, uh, we were there with Jesus in the fields of Galilee, where Jesus takes a little boy's lunchbox and miraculously turns that little boy's lunchbox into a feast uh, that feeds thousands of people who are hungry, thousands of people who are searching for truth. And Jesus feeds them. And so, we see this you know, stunning scene where the, the sun is shining, uh, the, the, the baskets are full and overflowing, people's tummies are full, people are smiling and hanging out together. It's a great day. But in verse 16, we are then told that the scene shifts. We're told that evening has come. And we're told that the disciples now have left the crowd and they've stepped into the boat. And there are are a few little details that are significant to note about this. Uh, The first is that it's dark. And the second is that the disciples are entering the boat without Jesus. Um, Ever since Jesus has come into the lives of the disciples, the disciples have been with Jesus. They were with Jesus when Jesus turned the water into wine. They were with Jesus when he was by the waters of Bethesda. They were with Jesus when he performed that miracle and fed the thousands of people. But now, perhaps for the first time, the disciples must go ahead without Jesus. And importantly, this aloneness is set to a scene with a cold and dark backdrop, right? The evening has come, John says, and it became dark. It was now dark. Now, you need to appreciate that in the Gospel of John, darkness is not just the absence of light. It's the realm of uncertainty. It's the realm of fear. Uh, To be left in the dark is to be excluded, without information. To have dark thoughts is to be consumed by negativity. To say the future is dark is to say that the clouds are bleak, our future is uncertain. In the Gospel of John, uh, darkness has a has a spiritual significance. Um, In John 1, darkness is the world of unbelief. In John 3, darkness is wickedness and evil. In John 8, darkness is the path of despair and final abandonment and death itself. The disciples enter this boat. Without Jesus, evening comes and it's dark. And then look to verse 18, John says, the sea, the sea becomes rough, became rough because a strong wind was blowing. The Lake of Galilee is beautiful, but also subject to many wild winds and storms. Uh, it was situated some 700 feet below sea level with some adjacent uh, mountains, tall mountains. And so the wind, the cool wind from the top of these mountains would on occasion sweep on through, whipping up the waters suddenly. Uh, violent storms uh, crashing over the boat would, would come upon these men. Um, I have a very... Um, uh, a very fond uh, memory of being with Vanessa. And we had three kids at this stage. We now have four, but uh, three little kids on a boat uh, in uh, uh, New South Wales. Uh, we were traveling. Do we have anyone from Sydney here today? One. Surely we've got more that I can't. No, we've got more. We've got more. Maybe they do not want to admit it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Get on a boat in in Manly, beautiful part of Manly, uh, and take the ferry, this huge ferry, towards uh, Sydney Harbour. And it was just a beautiful day in Sydney, uh, sun shining, and the kids, as you can see there, they're young there. They're standing on the top uh, of the ferry, looking out like kings and queens. They own the place, having an amazing time. That was until the wind whipped up and these huge waves. I don't know if this normally happens. These huge waves just came, three, I think, in succession, came crashing against the boat, smashing over the top. And I kid you not, taking out the feet uh, of my three kids who go from laughing and celebrating and we're the kings of the world to on the ground crying and then scurrying towards us uh, to mum and dad for some safety and security. And the reason I know that and remember that uh, is because the guy sitting next to me said, oh, would you like a photo? <laughs> like what at a time like this? Sure, why not? Uh, here's the photo. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> um, of course, you don't need to be on a, on a boat to uh, experience the wind and waves of life. Those moments where, you know, life is sailing and everything is bright and sunny, then all of a sudden, unexpectedly, like no one ever tells you that those waves are going to come. No one ever expects that those waves are going to knock you off your feet. And they come, don't they, in so many different forms. Um, It could be that, that call from the doctor with the unexpected news results relating to health or disease or cancer. It could be the news from your boss at work that they're cutting back on staff or restricting or pulling in the budget and the implications on you and your role. It could be that misunderstanding in a friendship that starts out small but just escalates so quickly until you feel lost at sea. It could be that feud with your family where despite everything you're trying to do, it's just one wave after the other, one wave after the other. And it's hard, isn't it, to know where those waves come from and why they're there in our lives. And on this side of heaven, we we don't know we don't see everything or understand why. And then you can try and piece it together. You read the Bible, you see that sometimes, sometimes there are waves that are like a wave of correction. We read that in the story of Jonah, for example, a wave was sent to get him back on his path. There are other times where we see that uh, there's frustration in this world and, and there's no real kind of reason why we find ourselves in a storm. You haven't done anything wrong necessarily, but it's just a part of living in a broken world and we end up smashed by these waves. Uh, then, of course, there are times in our lives where we do stupid things. We make dumb decisions and we create our own storms. We, we find ourselves in over our head. And I'm sure you can say, man, I got there because I did something stupid in my life. But piecing that together is, is, is often difficult. Here's what I want you to know, that in the hand of God, no storm needs to be wasted. In the hand of God, He, he actually promises to, to use whatever season we are in Right? and Some of us have been in a great season. Maybe you're in a great season right now. And we praise God for that. That still season, that calm season, that season where it feels like everything's just moving in the right direction. But, but also those other seasons where things are just smashing you, where the, the headwind is just constant. To trust that, that God can, can, is, is sovereign over those seasons, but also can use those seasons for our good. Uh, the Christian can receive them trusting that he's going to build within you resilience. He's going to build within you a, a, a trust and a, and a dependence. He's going to build within you something that he promises to use for, for good. So, so when we look at the disciples here, we need to realize that them entering into this cold, dark night where this sudden storm whips up, it, it, it's not just a, an accident. There's something here that that they're there for a reason. Look then to verse 19. Um, When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat. And what were they? They were frightened. So the disciples, like you, gotta, you, you know, you got to picture them there—all these, you know, guys like rowing heavily against this wind, against this storm. And says they're about three or four miles, which I don't know is like what five, six kilometers, in. Um, and, and just a bit of context here: that the, the sea itself, the lake itself, is like twelve kilometers wide. And so, what does that tell you? It tells you they're right in the middle of it, right? There's no turning back at this point. They're right in the middle. Uh, The water is deep, it's dark, it's cold. And and, and if you couldn't get in a more uncertain, precarious position, they see a man walking on water toward the boat. And what did John see in the other disciples at this point? He sees fear. He says they were frightened. And so what is fear? Fear is the... The, the the natural physical emotional response we have to danger you know you're afraid why because your heart starts racing your palms start sweating blood is pumped into your muscles because you become ready for action these guys are are afraid and why are they afraid why are they shaking in their boots now Interestingly, John doesn't give us the detail here, but Mark does. So you ask those guys, why were they afraid? Here's why. When they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. Right? That's when you have to go, ooh, like that, right? They thought he was a ghost. <laughs> now, this is a safe space. Just by show of hands. Who, who would say that they have uh, had an experience in their life where they thought they saw or heard a ghost. By show of hands, safe place, no one's judged. Yeah? Okay. Right? Quite a few of us. Uh, It's frightening, isn't it? It's a frightening experience. I I remember just a few weeks ago, uh, Vanessa was interstate for work. And so uh, I was in our bed alone, or at least I thought I was alone, downstairs, uh, my two eldest boys on the PlayStation or whatever it is, and I fall asleep, and I wake up. It must have been around midnight, and I hear a growling and hissing noise right next to me. Again, it's not Vanessa, (laughs) right? This is growling and, and hissing noise. I'm awake. I can tell I'm awake because like my, my body's racing like this. It's loud. It's not like loud, loud, but loud enough that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it. Right. I'm not asleep. It's right. And it's like right there. And so immediately I, I pray, dear God, it's like one of those tele-evangelist prayers in the name of Jesus, cast this thing out. Right. And I kid you not immediately, boom, it's gone. And I close my eyes and go to sleep next morning. Because I think, well, maybe, did I dream that whole thing? Like, that's weird. I was talking to the boys, and they're like, hey, Dad, what was that noise from your room last night? That really is like really loud breathing. I'm like, did you hear it too? I heard it. It wasn't me. I think it was a spirit or something. I don't know. Do you think, what, what was it? Was it a demonic spirit? Like, what was it? Three days later, Vanessa comes home, and I tell her the story about this spirit. She says, oh, No, you know what that was? That's one of the possums out on the tree. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) We have a demonic possum in our house? (laughs) Turns out, I've lived in Australia all my life. These things, like cute to look at, but man, they hiss and they growl. Uh, Why do I tell you that story? That you might feel the fear of these (laughs) disciples. Right, they're freaking out, they've never seen a ghost walking on water. Of course, it's not a ghost who is it that's coming before them. Verse 20 But Jesus said to them, If we bring that text up, thank you. (laughs) Jesus says to them, It is I, do not be afraid, it is I, do not be afraid. If there was a life verse you want hanging over your bed, <laughs> when you're taken to work, and you live this life, it is I, Jesus says, do not be afraid. You might want to underscore those words, it is I. Um, now, this could just simply be, don't be afraid, it's, our, it, it's me, Jesus. That's what could possibly be happening in this scene. Jesus comes to them, he's walking on water, he says to it "There." he knows his disciples are freaking out, he says, hey guys, don't freak out, don't be afraid, it's me, Jesus. That could be what he's saying, but there's also hints in this text that, that Jesus is signaling something more significant, something greater here. You see, the Greek phrase that Jesus is using here is the phrase, I am. In other words, here is Jesus in the stormy night, it's dark, it's cold, the waves are crashing, he's walking on water and he comes to Jesus on this boat who are shaking in their boots and he says, do not be afraid, I am. Now for the disciples, the I am <laughs> would have immediately brought to mind another supernatural encounter that they were very much familiar with, very much schooled in. It was, of course, the encounter that Moses has with God himself at the burning bush. Moses is told to take off his feet uh, shoes. Why? Because he's on holy ground. And when he wants to know who's the name of the Lord, what is your name? He says, Yahweh, which is built from the phrase, I am. Not I was, not I hope to one day be. I am. I am holy. I am powerful. I am glorious. I am your creator. I am your God. And this is what makes Jesus, listen, compelling, courageous and yet incredibly controversial. Because when he entered the stage of human history, and we see this all through the book of John, when he entered the stage of human history, he was constantly telling people that he was much more than just a good man, much more than even a great man, but the God-man, the great I am, John 6, I am the bread of life. John 8, I am the light of the world. John 10, I am the good shepherd. John 11, I am the resurrection. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And John 15, I am the true vine. And there is this pivotal moment in the gospel of John. John 8 The religious authorities, I mean, John just spells this out for you. The religious authorities are interrogating Jesus because they've seen all his miracles, they've seen his power, they've seen his claims, and they're interrogating. Who do you say that you are? Who do you claim to be? Are you saying that you're greater than the prophets? Are you saying that you're greater than Abraham? And what does Jesus say in response? It's incredible. He says, Very truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. John tells us immediately the religious authorities picked up stones and tried to kill him. Why? Because he was making himself equal with God. He was declaring with great authority that he's greater than any of the prophets greater than Moses greater than Abraham he is the Lord our God the eternal one the great I am and it is the I am that we see walking on water again in this prophetic sign for us all to see do you remember what Job said the Lord alone stretches out the heavens and what? Treads on the waves of the sea. Only the Lord walks on water. Only God can step across the winds and the waves of this world. In other words, you could be a great godly man. You could be a very spiritual man. But place a godly, good, spiritual man on water and water what they sink we all sink but here's jesus walking on water now what does this mean what does it mean to see the great i am walking on water well for john so simple yet so challenging for us all it's the call to what believe believe So simple that a child could understand it. So challenging that we wrestle and resist. Believe. John spells this out for us, doesn't he, in chapter 20. hey, All of these miracles, all of these signs I've included in this book, why that you may believe that Jesus truly is the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, You might have life. That's the good news of the gospel. For you and I here today, it's available to all people. Believe. Do you hunger for life? Long to be secure in the arms of the Savior of the world, the one who walks on water? There are a lot of things we can put our hope in. I know I've tried to put my hope in lots of things in the world, thinking that they're going to hold up. The world's good like that, like the Titanic. It appears strong and big and secure, and yet ultimately, outside of Jesus, all of those things just sink. We are called today, you are called today, to put your trust in Jesus. And, and that's an important word when we're talking about belief, because belief, belief isn't just intellectual assent. It's not just saying, oh, I agree with this. Um, belief, belief is an entrusting of yourself to a person. It's a giving of yourself into their hands. When John talks about belief, it's not just a, an agreement with a theological idea. Belief, real belief, is entrusting yourself. Right? It's a bit like this chair sitting next to Charlotte right here. I, will this chair hold me up? Yes? Yep. Now, I, I can look at this chair... And, and I can say, yeah, it looks sturdy enough. I, I, I think it, it, it's going to hold me up. I can ask Brenton and Charlotte, do you think it'll hold me up? And so their witness to me is that this will hold me up. The question then is, at what point does my belief become belief? Because right now I agree, but when does my belief become belief? It becomes belief when I do this. Yeah, I think it's a little clap moment. Thank you, Charlotte. In the same way, listen... Jesus isn't just looking for a theological assent, not trusting in a thinking just about an agreement about a world principle. He is wanting you to entrust your life into his hands. And break that down. What do I mean? What do we mean when we say entrust your life? Break that down. Well, think about your relationships right now. Have you taken your relationships... Your family, your work colleagues, have you given that into the hands of Jesus? I want to entrust you. Have you taken your past failings? Man, now we all beat ourselves up over bad decisions we've made. What if you were to take them and entrust them into the hands of Jesus, to believe that He can save you? What about our future? It's uncertain. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. But what if we were to recognize that the one walking on water is the great I am, who calls for belief and entrusting of our future into his hands? What if when the storms do hit your life, and maybe they are right now, maybe you are facing headwind right now, what if right now you were to say, Lord, I just feel like I'm battered by these winds and these waves. I don't know where to turn. What if I were to take those things, those seasons, those storms, and entrust them to say, I believe. And so I entrust myself and my life and my challenges into your hand. The Christian can do this because we know that Jesus is God and Jesus is good. Yeah, right. Jesus is God and Jesus is good. I was having dinner uh, a few weeks back with um, Joan and Joel. I was there with my wife, Vanessa, Nadine and Nate uh, as well. And uh, we're just having dinner, uh, hanging out together. And towards the end of the night, uh, Joel, uh, sorry, Joan uh, shared with me uh, an evidence of, of, of God's grace, which he's happy for me uh, to share with you today. Uh, Joan's dad is in his sixties, and uh, for the last few years has been getting into a hobby of free diving. Right in his sixties, I love that. In his sixties, like you know, what? I need a new hobby. Let's go free diving. And so him and his buddies go out in the waters on the weekends and, and free dive and look around and all of those great things. Uh, but in April this year, uh, her dad uh, drove up with a mate um, east coast of uh, Australia to a little coastal town called Eden. Anyone been to Eden before? Yeah, a bunch of us, beautiful part of town. Uh, they, go, they go diving and uh, they go diving and uh, explore around. Uh, when his mate comes out of the water, he realizes that he can't, he can't see Joan's dad. It's like, where, where is he? Where's he gone? Uh, so he goes back into the water to look for him. Uh, can't find him. Can't find him anywhere. And so at 3 p.m. that same day, a search rescue crew is sent out to look for him. 6pm uh, that night uh, Joan and her mum who are in Melbourne at this time get a knock at the door they open the door and are told that her dad didn't emerge from the water and I asked Joan I said how, how did you feel when you heard the news that your dad was missing she says pure shock disbelief feeling feeling Like my life had just been thrown out of control. I went straight into damage control mode to look after Odie and daughter, my mum and Joel. In those hours um, of disbelief and shock, uh, her husband, uh, Joel, uh, immediately reminds her to reach out to her gospel community and ask them to to pray. Uh, If you're new to City on a Hill, we have these gospel communities, which are like small groups that meet during the week, and there are times where we explore God's word and help each other out and and pray for one another. And so she prays, or she asks the members of the gospel community to pray, but she says it was probably the least hopeful and faithless prayer request I've ever asked for. I'm sure we've done that. By 8 p.m. that same night, The search crew was called off and the police told Joan and her mum to prepare for the worst. Joan is desperate to seek God in this hour and she finds herself reading about Jesus calming the storm. 9am following day, after a sleepless night, the search and rescue resumes... um, And Joan and her mum receive a call from the police, asking them to send a family member to Eden to sign off for any uh, found artefacts under the water. But then something extraordinary happens. While Joan and her mum are on the phone to the police, they hear someone shouting in the background, We found him! We found him! It turns out that while her, why her, uh, when her father was diving and trying to make his way back, a, a piece of his equipment got caught on a rock. And he went back to try and untie himself from the rock. But when he did, he made a wrong turn, lost where he was, and didn't know how to get back. He ends up spending the entire night in this thick, Uh, This thick set of grass, he actually falls into this hole and he's cushioned uh, by his own gear. It's dark, it's incredibly cold. The reporters said it was about six degrees that night. He's alone and he remembers God and he prays. And he's praying. And Joan and Joel and Mum are praying and a gospel community are praying And God hears their prayers. And and here's what's stunning about this story Joan says, God not only rescued her dad, but has grown the faith of all who were praying. Joan says, her parents are now actively pursuing God and planning to get baptized. And her dad is now sharing his faith with his diving buddies. Do you know what the news reporters called this little episode? And the nightly news, a miracle. It's what it is. I want you to know today that prayer is powerful. I want you to know that Jesus is God and Jesus is good. I want you to know that when we feel like we're sinking, Jesus, the great I am, is the one who walks on the water. Now, does this mean that God always rescues when and how we want? No. But again, the signs in John are pointing you to a reality that is constantly breaking through that we will one day see in full. We worship a good God. We worship God. Jesus, not just teacher, but Lord, King, and God, the great I am. Let's look at our closing verse together. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Uh, Where were the disciples when Jesus came to the rescue? uh, They were in the middle of the sea, And in many ways, the image of them in the middle of the sea is a picture of our journey in life. We all have a beginning, but right now we are all in the middle of that journey. We're in the middle place where we're rowing together. We're in that middle place where we're trying to work out what our next step is. We're in that middle place where we face those wild weathers and those storms. But what we see in this miracle is that Jesus not only meets you in the middle, he is the one who has the power to bring you through to the other side. And notice that John says that the moment the disciples brought Jesus into the boat... Note this, the boat immediately was at the land to which they were going. I don't know if that's another sign, miracle, or what's going on there, but think about that, immediately, right there in the middle, immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. That has always stood out to me in this gospel, Because isn't it true that there are times where Jesus turns up and he calms the storm? There are times where Jesus turns up in our life and the clouds part and the sun comes. There are times that Jesus comes to take away the storm. But that's not what this text says. Jesus doesn't turn up to take away the storm. Jesus turns up to get them through the storm. And I am sure that you are here today. You have experienced this reality. There are times in your life where it feels like you're sinking. There are times in your life where those waves are crashing and we pray and almost immediately the clouds part and the storm goes away and we say, praise God for those moments But I've been around long enough to know that that's sometimes not how it works. I've been around long enough to know that sometimes when we pray for healing, sometimes when we pray for that breakthrough, sometimes the storm is still there. But what I see in this text is a prophetic, powerful, personal sign for you, a promise that, yes, he's going to take storms away, but ultimately, finally, and eternally, he promises to get you through. Right now, you're in the middle. Right now, you're rowing. Right now, you might be facing some of those waves. Like, when will I get through this? I tell you, a day is coming where Jesus is going to meet us in the middle. And immediately, you'll be through that storm. Immediately. Immediately. Immediately, you'll be home. I always love that little... Um, you, know, you know when you're a little kid, like really little, like six, seven, maybe five? And I remember like going out uh, you know, with my dad to one of his friend's houses and you know, shooting pool, watching movies. They would be doing all this stuff, and I'm trying to stay awake because I'm little and I'm being grown up, and isn't this great? But at some point in the night, you just get tired... <laughs> and you're trying to hold your eyes up, but you're just getting tired, and eventually... (laughs) But then something really strange would happen. I would wake up, and I would look around, and I would be in my own bed, (laughs) wearing my own pajamas, in my own bedroom, (laughs) and look around, and and, and I'm sure you had that experience. like, how did I get here? Here's how, at some point in the night when you were slumped and sleepy and tired, your mom or your dad scooped you up, got you into the car, took you home, put on your pajamas, tucked you into your bed, rolled up the doona, gave a kiss on your head and brought you home. There will come a day where you and I will stand on the shores of heaven. You'll look around and the, the wild sea will be no more. The storms and clouds of life will be no more. And it will go like this. And we will say to one another, how did we end up here? It will be because when we were tired... When we were weary, when we had no more energy to row, to move us forward, our Lord and our God, the one who walks on water, met us in the middle and brought us home. And here's where I have confidence in our hope, City on a Hill. It's that this Jesus who walks on water is the one who came to live, die, and rise for you. He lives for you, and he died, right? The Bible teaches us that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all screwed up. We've all done things that mean we should have nothing of God, and yet God has given us everything in Christ. He was submerged in the water for us. He entered the storm for us. He was plunged into darkness and despair and death for us. And we lament his death and yet rejoice because we know that this same Jesus who died for us is alive. He rose to new life. He defeated our greatest fears. He took on our greatest storms. He weathered every wave that was thrown at him. But you cannot defeat the great I am. He walks on water. We celebrated this resurrection last Sunday. The baptisms—I was there, freezing cold. I'm still defrosting. Uh, James Riley, Amy, Joshua, Tim, Olivia, Hillary, Zoe, Josh, Matei, Alexander, and Hugh. Can we thank the Lord for them? Uh, I love this pick in particular. Um, <laughs> Here's why I love it. The cross is in the background. That's awesome. Alexander's in the middle getting baptized. And then Stefan. Um, Stefan is one of our interns. He's a legend. One of our interns. And this was his first chance to kind of, first opportunity to, 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 to like do the whole baptism thing with me. And as you can see, when the first guy got baptized, he decided to get baptized as well. <laughs> we celebrate a risen king. Lives are being transformed. And not just in this church, but across the globe. People are giving their life to Jesus. In a world where people are eager for good news, in a world where people are searching for hope, in a world where people are looking for an anchor, you must know that Jesus is good news. And and notice how the disciples respond to Jesus. He comes to them and what do they say? They don't say, no, we're fine, Jesus. Stay where you are. We can navigate this ourselves. No, 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 no. What do the disciples do? John says they welcomed him into the boat. They welcomed him into the boat. And I just want to encourage you today to welcome Jesus into your life. I know right now there's a wrestle in your heart. So much of my own life wants to be independent, to so navigate it. I'll take on my own storms, right? That's, that's our pride, <laughs> I can navigate this chaos. No, no, no. You were made for the great I am. And we had to welcome him. We had to worship him. Lord, take on, consume, fill my life, we pray. So I want to lead us in a time of prayer right now as the band comes up. Uh, And I thought we could do something a little bit different in our prayer and our response. Um, A moment for us to each reflect on where we are in this journey. And to receive some prayer, so I'd love to pray for us. Uh, so where we are right now, why don't we just close our eyes and adopt a posture of prayer? Um, God's in our midst. Same God who walked on those waters; He's with us today and eager to meet us. And uh, just as you know, all our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you're in a season uh, where it feels like the waves are crashing a season where it feels like the wind is against you, and you'd like Jesus to, to come into your boat and meet you in a special way, would you, with all our eyes closed, just raise your hands right now because I just want to pray for you particularly. Okay. Great. Thank you. Yeah, it could be a challenge you're facing at work and family. Just raise that hand. I'm going to pray for you guys. Lord, I thank you for these men and women. And Lord, we lament the, the hardships and struggles we face. We lament the storms that rage against us. Lord, you know what is happening in their life, you know what they're experiencing. And I ask, Lord God, that right now uh, you would meet them in a very special and powerful way. I pray, Lord God that Jesus, the great I am, would turn up in their life in a way that only could be explained by you and your glory. Help these men and women to depend upon you. Help these men and women to trust in you. Help these men and women to... um, to love you and depend upon you and worship you, not just in the calm seasons of life, but indeed in the midst of the storms. And so I pray that you give them all that they need to, to trust in you. Um, you can put down your hands. And I want to keep in a posture of prayer. I, I also know that today there are some people who perhaps have never said yes to Jesus in their life. You know, Maybe there was a time where you used to go to church uh, maybe church is new for you. But you know, you've never really said yes to Jesus. There's never really been a moment in your life where you've welcomed him into the boat of your life and said, All right, I want to trust you. I want to receive your life. You know, if that's you and you're here today, just again, while all our eyes are closed, I invite you also just to raise your hand. an opportunity to receive Jesus' life and his forgiveness and his hope. Father, I thank you for men and women responding to the good news of the gospel. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen them with your grace and your goodness that they may walk with you, trust you, and indeed worship you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name and all of God's people said with one super loud voice. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.